invest now, invest now, invest now. Like that's what you always hear. And to hear them say something to the effect of like the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. What I think is interesting and what we're going to get to today is no one who's ever talked to me about that is like, so where do you think this money comes from? <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's just like, it's just like magic. From this side of paradise, welcome to Eden Revisited, the podcast that puts shovel to soil and cultivates those interior gardens for the reenchantment of culture. Join us as we get to the wonder by getting in the dirt and sowing the seeds of faith. Welcome. Thank you for joining this episode of Eden Revisited. I'm Austin Kleiss, and finally the time has come that the three of us are back together. Nick, Tyler, how are you guys doing? Doing well, Austin. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Happy Sunday, and yeah, excited for the conversation. The crew is back. It's uh, It's been a while. I mean, how many episodes ago was it? Like 10? Something like that? At least. I, I can't remember, but since we're back, we have to say, the boys are back in town, the boys are back in town. I was waiting for you to start singing, so thank you. <laughs> it wouldn't be a podcast with the three of us if I feel like that should become our new podcast music. It's like a classic summer song, great walk-up song for baseball. Austin's rolling his eyes right now. Austin wants to put Gregorian chant as our intro and outro. It'd be amazing. We'd, yeah, that'd be- we'd veto him. We. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> we should we should open it up to a listener poll. They've just heard your best uh, showing, and so we can compare that against some chant from the monks of Norcia and the far hills of Italy singing in their angelic voices. And we'll see what, what if we had what see if we what the had people say what if we had Edenic sounds like sounds from Eden, and it's like it's like crickets <laughs> chirping, snakes, serpents slithering, leaves rustling. Um, Maybe outside the scope of this conversation, but do you guys think that all animals that we see now are uh, Edenic animals or are there some post-fall animals that are now among us? Uh, I don't know how to answer that. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) I first heard that from your brother, Daniel, who was on this podcast of like cockroaches, definitely a post-fall animal. (laughs) I think that there are... But I don't think anything's outside the bounds of salvation. So I'll just leave it at that. <clears throat> so you, even the cockroach can be redeemed. I think God can asked, redeem all his creation. A student asked the other day, how did Noah put on saltwater fish and freshwater fish onto the ark? It's like, you know, I'm sure he had some sort of aquariums. He kept them separate. There was a saltwater tank. There was a freshwater tank. He had some like pH strips and like saltwater <laughs> strips. He was just testing the water constantly. Exactly. Was there fish on the ark? I mean, it would seem kind of like you wouldn't need to be on an ark if you're a fish. Oh, they are animals. <clears throat> but they unless but, there's unless there's some sort of criteria where they had to be, I don't know, walking on. Well, I'm just thinking like the flood would the flood have wiped out animals that are already in the water? You know, I don't know. They're all post fall. <laughs> Okay, you've come to Eden Revisited for the best hot takes. Uh, all I'll tell you what's not post fall golden retrievers. They are definitely in Eden. <laughs> it seems it seems like that could be the case. Like dogs, there's something about dogs that are that are not post fall, pre pre fall. Um, well, geez, people, yeah, people come here really for the best content there is out there. Um, and speaking of the best content, we're gonna. I think this is gonna be an interesting conversation. Um, I have a 401k and I'm going to try to convince you guys today of why I should get rid of my 401k. Um, I think the idea of investing and how we use our money is something that's not always talked about. And on the show, we like to talk about things that are local and things that are in the dirt and stuff like that. And, and I think there's a connection to money and how money gets used. And specifically, just because that could span the course of a lot of things, and we've kind of hit on economics and things like that before, we're going to talk about 401ks and maybe investing in the stock market a little more generally, but just the general idea of, of retirement accounts. Um, and maybe a lot of listeners have one, um, and they've never maybe never really thought of like what the moral good or moral ill is with an account like this. And so I think today's conversation is going to be interesting. Um, 
maybe pulling some stuff from USCCB, John Paul II, different different folks to hopefully guide our our conversation here. Um, but maybe we kick it off just like Nick, you're probably the most qualified to tell everyone. I mean, I guess Tyler, you're equally qualified. Um, what a 401k is and um, just kind of how it works in our economy and things like that. I will punt to the equally qualified person. Um, I don't have a 401k actually. So this this conversation doesn't mean anything to me. I have a 403b, um, which is totally different. Likewise, uh, Austin, you're talking to two educators <laughs> in the nonprofit world. We don't have 401ks. But no, no, it's it's the same. I mean, it's essentially very similar. Um, it's the idea of the government giving some tax incentives to employers to help their employees basically start a retirement account where they can invest their money into the stock market in, in various different ways. And as you were kind of introing this, I was thinking about so many folks who, you know, older folks, people who have been working for so long, they're just so eager often to give advice to young people. They're like, invest now, invest now, invest now. Like that's what you always hear. And to hear them say something to the effect of like the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest, or just like they are, they're always talking to you about how they wish they would have invested more because now they see the effects of something like a 401k where you invest early the interest compounds, and then you know all of a sudden you're cruising around in a nice retirement life. What I think is interesting, and what we're going to get to today, is no one who's ever talked to me about that is like, so where do you think this money comes from? <laughs> you know, like that it just it's just like it's just like magic. Mm-hmm. Your retirement just compounds, and so I think that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Is like, well, how how does money grow? How does our how do our retirement accounts grow? I think before we delve into the nitty gritty of 401ks and stock markets, I think there's something to be said, though. There is something virtuous about saving. There's something virtuous about not consuming in the present and saving something for later. Um, And I was thinking of the story that's actually quite an ancient story that's maybe become quite popularized in America with our values of saving and thriftiness and investing. Maybe that's how we used to be understood as a country. But like Aesop's fables, right? Aesop, he was someone who came up with hundreds and hundreds of stories. I think he was a Greek, ancient Greek, lived back, you know, 500 BC. And the story of the ant and the grasshopper, you guys remember this story? So there's an ant and a grasshopper, they're neighbors, and they're preparing for winter. And winter is Winter's winter. It's it's difficult. Uh, winter is coming, so you're going to have to store up your food, make sure that you have provisions so you can feed yourself and your family so you're not going to starve to death. And so the ant and the grasshopper, it's summertime, and they're getting to, they're enjoying all the fruits of the harvest. However, the grasshopper is doing a lot of extra frolicking, you know, playing music, feasting, uh, carrying on, and he's not doing any work, whereas the ant is very diligent and hardworking, and he's saving up, putting things into his storehouse to, to feed his family. And so summer passes, fall passes, winter comes, and winter is brutal. And Grasshopper comes to the ant and says, hey, help me out. I'm starving. And the ant says, no, I only have enough for me and my family. You should have saved. You should have invested more wisely uh, with your time and your treasure kind of the moral of the story, right? Um, it's important for us to be future-minded, to save. And I, th- I think there, there's, there's a value and a virtue to that, even for the ancients, right? Um, so we're talking about on this show, like maybe we're not saving up fruits and vegetables and nuts and fish and canning and doing all those things, but we're, we're saving up other material resources so that we can use them later, uh, not necessarily for a different season, but for a later season in our lives. So there is something good to it, but I guess we have what we're going to unpack is are there right and wrong ways to do that? Does that, does that sound right, Austin? Yeah, the the nuance that uh, different people throughout the tradition would add to the saving thing as we get into this topic is saving is good insofar as it's for your vocation, and so it's as so far it's for something specific is the way to think about it. They would. The church fathers, for example, would be against the idea of blind saving, just building bigger and bigger 
accounts. Um, if you had something specific to save for, um, that can be permitted. But when we talk about money, which we're going to transition to really quickly, the goal with money for the life of the church has been for the rich man to use it in a way that promotes the common good. And so that's like how we're going to uh, assess the 401k, I think. And so it's meant to be used. It's not necessarily just meant primarily as a thing you store. Um, and that gets into the mechanisms of what a 401k is. And maybe just add Tyler to your definition a little bit. I think there's two important points that we also must know. 401ks for people who don't know, if you if you take out the money early, you get taxed on it. I forget all the logistics of, of how much that tax is and things like that, but it's an account that you can only take out at a certain age. Otherwise you get taxed on it. Um, so keep that in mind. And the other way it typically works is um, you your company will match. So you put in like, $100 every month out of your paycheck, and then your company is going to match 3% of that or 5%, depending on the policy. And then the final piece is, I know this is three things now, the way a 401k works is it then invests in mutual funds, depending on who your company is working with. It'll invest in mutual funds, which are essentially a grouping of stocks. I mean, how would you guys describe a mutual fund? It's a grouping of stocks that, that that's managed by some sort of money manager somewhere, right? Yeah, it spreads out risk. Spreads out risk. So you're investing in all sorts of different sectors, all sorts of industries all across the war world. And so on the face of it, it seems like, okay, this is a very neat financial mechanism that is a new new thing. 401ks haven't been around very long. Um, that allows us as individuals who don't know much about like particular stocks to invest in many places. However, I think we can already see, which is how I'm describing it, where that might lead to, to some difficulties for the Catholic mind. I mean, I guess, what are your guys' thoughts first on the idea of locality? So now you have money that is yours and could be used in your local environment that is getting sent all over the world and all over you know, your country into different companies. I think that's a, maybe a first place to start, the local idea of it. What do you guys think of that? I think that's a tremendous challenge that we face today, especially, like as you said, things we've talked about earlier on this, in earlier episodes of this podcast and the virtue of things being local, Catholic social teaching, idea of subsidiarity where local economies are making decisions that are good for themselves. This is really incentivizing, like you said, sending your money off to a different place to be invested. Because if I think about the money in my 403B and my Roth retirement plan, which is just another way of, of investing, and, and to your point, the government encouraging investing, which is good in some ways, um, but in other ways, it is it is a stark separation from what that money could be doing locally because the chances are most, if not all of that is being put into a company that's not in your locality, your your local area. I, I guess I'd play devil's advocate here. I mean, at face value, where does why does it matter where the money goes if it does come back to me? And really, it's not necessarily the money ha that has the impact. It's you, the person who has the impact in your local community. So if that money, who cares where it goes, it's going all over the world. But eventually, if it's coming back to me and it's giving me a higher rate of return, it gives me more of an opportunity to use that resource, maybe even in my local community, to, to do good, to promote the common good. Um, you are the, the one who's the instrument uh, or, or the agent, as it were. So, I mean, we talk to people all over the world, you know, just because I call up someone in, or if Austin calls up a friend in Sierra Leone, is that a bad thing? Because, oh, well, we, we should, Austin should only talk to his neighbors, like think local, like who cares where our phone calls are going to, I, I guess, again, who cares where that money's going to ultimately it's, it's going to come back to us, the agent to use it locally. So I think yeah. we, we'd need to flesh that out a little bit more. Why is it, why is it bad if my money is going thousands and thousands of miles away. <clears throat> so I think I think about it like this. One, that that money is not liquid. So it's not as if you're investing that money and you're actually going to be use it in a be able to use it in a significant way until you're 65 or whatever the limit is. And then two, once you can, so this is this is where you get in the weeds of what a 401k is. Um, but once you're able to withdraw money, you're only able to withdraw so much money. This is just the kind of money that's going to support you and your family, you know, depending on how big your 401k is, we only able to withdraw a certain percentage. It's not like you get all of that at the end, right? And so now when you think about that and you think about how you're able to promote the common good, you have this huge chunk of change that's maybe sitting in the savings account that you can only take so much out of it out at a particular age. 
if you see a, a immediate need in your local community today, you might say, I'll give you guys, but it's going to be 35 years from now. And it's going to only be 6% of my, of my 401k. And so this is like, when I was doing this research, it was like, wow, that's, I think that's a compelling argument of like, maybe the money ends up just not getting back to the local community because it is so obfuscated through time and space. Um, Amazon can obviously take all the money that's invested in them from that 401k and use it right away. But you yourself, as the person who technically owns that money, can't. Um, does that make sense? Go on. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's. A, I mean, I think it's just an interesting point with when we're thinking about our money and how it could be used locally. Um, the very fact that there's legal mechanisms that avoid you, you know, prevent you from taking the money out without being taxed, is something we should consider as as people who want to use our money well. I think. I think I'm- one potential, you know, drawback at least, and then I'll I'll get to some pros that I agree with you, Austin, is that what the system we have now and the system that the government's helped support and subsidize is a less risky um, method of investing and getting to that goal that Nick is talking about, where then like the money does come back. Like it certainly is safer and less risky. And in that way, that's probably one reason why they really promote this is because they want people to have long-term stability. If we, we talked about like your money that you earn and then you save, gets dispersed amongst different kinds of investments and then it protects itself with risk and then slowly gets back to you so that you don't make a bad decision and spend it all on a boat as soon as you retire. Um, that might be better long-term for the common good because people are, but that seems like a very nanny state mentality too. So I, I get why that's that's potentially complicated. But to, to get back to another reason why I think that local is better, even even though it's more risky and it's just, it's, it's less efficient too. Like I, I really, it probably is less efficient in some ways because what's happening is when this money goes somewhere else for some other business and, and stakeholders and whatnot within that corporation to make decisions of how to add value to that company, like you've been totally removed at where this company, how this company adds to the common good, how this company adds to society and to the economy. Um, so I, I just think you lose a lot of autonomy and control over how your investments support uh, or potentially support the common good. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think um, one of the ways John Paul II talks about investments, it's in Aquinas, I think he builds off of Aquinas on this, is that it's a relationship. Your investments are supposed to be a relationship. You're supposed to know who's getting the money and there's supposed to be some sort of involvement if you're investing with that money. So maybe you're investing money in a, in a cheese shop or something like that, you 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 invest the money, but there's a sense in which it's like you're also a mentoring as like a business expert or a cheese expert or something like that, and it's not just my money is being invested in this business. It's actually it's supposed to form a relationship. It's supposed to bring people together in some in some real way, which is very different. And now we're kind of getting onto a different topic, but it's different than let's say investing in Amazon, where you don't know anyone at Amazon. <clears throat> You don't know, you're not, there's no relationship that's getting formed because the ultimate goal of, of money is to build friends and to build the common good. And so there's no relationship that's getting formed. Um, and there's nothing immediate happening in your community. I mean, maybe Amazon's building another huge, huge H, uh, headquarters or something like that with the money. It's very different than your local town now being able to have cheese um, or you're seeing the immediate needs of your town being fixed through someone creative that's that's doing that through business or something like that. Um, so maybe that just rounds out your point, Tyler, but I think that's I think that's worth noting. Well, just a quick anecdote and then I'll let Nick jump in there. It's like I had I had a friend who I was living in Southern California who was um, an early investor in a local brewery that really took off, but it was just it was just so cool to hear him talk through those years, I knew him and like be excited about not, it wasn't really just about the return he was getting. I'm sure he was getting a decent return or at least just like some money back on the initial investment he made, but he was investing in a local company that was, yeah, like people in the community talked about going to the brewery. And then you had a little bit of ownership of like being excited for the people you knew who owned it and they were having success and it was bringing people together. So, I mean, that that's the kind of world I think that you are describing versus the Amazon. So I just wanted to share that. One of the principles uh, a document that we looked at before doing this podcast was from the USCCB, as you mentioned, Austin, among socially responsible investing. And principle number one is a reasonable rate of return is considered uh, one that matches the level of the market, or at least allows the conference to meet 
or its fiduciary responsibilities and maintain its mission. So I think the USCCB is acknowledging that for people to invest, it's reasonable to get a return on that investment. Uh, I guess it's a question I I guess I wouldn't really know because I haven't invested locally, but do you think it's actually possible for people um, or is the information accessible enough for people to truly believe that they that their return on investment if they were to invest hyper locally is that even possible um, compared to investing in the market at large yeah I'll, I'll add some depth to that too Nick because I, I agree with you I think that's a really interesting counterpoint and I'd love to hear Austin's thoughts because Austin's done a lot more investing and spent spent more time in investing than both you and I combined um, because in the way that I've we've talked about and I know I've talked a lot about local food on this epi- on this podcast like the things I've asked people to think and consider and things I've done in my, for myself require a lot more time. And like, it's just, it's, it's difficult to, to, you know, know your local farmers and go to the farmer's market. It's much easier and much more efficient in the, in the system we have just to go to the supermarket. So I, I hear your point, Nick. And I think in some ways, like the system we have now makes it easier. And again, less risky for people to invest and to make that return versus again, the, the riskier, the like, how do I have, do I, ha- I need to know the financial statements of this private company that doesn't post their public records and how am I even going to get to know which ones I can invest in? So yes, Nick, I think that's a really good question. And I'm, I'd be curious to hear what Austin, Austin has to say. Yeah. And, and before Austin responds, just the church is not opposed based on how I'm interpreting this document. The church is not opposed to investing in general, or even making money on your investment. Now, if we were to talk to our Orthodox brothers and sisters, they might have some different uh, opinions on usury and, and interest and, and all that. But from what I'm understanding, like it's okay to make investments. It's okay to get a return and you should expect a healthy return um, and you should be making prudent financial decisions. Uh, so it's it's I, I guess it's in the, the rest of the document is commentary on, well, which investments are moral, ethical, um, and gives a framework, but we should, we should expect a return if we're going to, because, because otherwise too, and maybe this is, maybe this is, I'm interpreting this parable incorrectly, but the the parable about the steward who just buried his money in the ground, right. Uh, his master was not too pleased with that. Um, I think the same, maybe I don't want to sound too prosperity gospel and go, go down that road either, but we, if we've been given treasure, if we, and we've labored and we've received um, income, you know, it, it's okay to be stewards of that and have that grow. And again, going back to the ant and grasshopper, it's okay to, to share that, even if it is down the line in decades to eventually share that wealth with our family, with, um, you know, providing for grandchildren, providing for their educations and, and whatnot. Um, so there's a dissonance going on in my mind of, well, I, I, I'm sure it can be done. I, ju- I just, I guess it's the point of the podcast. How, how does, how do we do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, that's right. It's a good, I mean, it's a good distinction to make that investing isn't donating, right? You're not just giving money away. It's not this idea of there is some sort of expectation on return. <clears throat> now, I think the way this, I've heard this talked about is let's take the cheese shop example. So it wouldn't be immoral to get some return on that money. Um, that's definitely that's definitely not immoral. But the primary return you're getting is the is the good in the community, right? You're investing in the good you're getting. The return you're getting is now you have a cheese shop in your community, right? Now the community is better off. It's not about a sort of atomized individual monetary return always. You might just make your money back, you know. Um, but you now have a cheese shop, which is pretty cool. Like that's that's actually benefited the community versus if you're investing again in, in a 401k, if your money's going to a 401k, that money might be going somewhere that's not benefiting your community or any community. It could be hurting the community. So the actual end of the investment is the thing that it, that it produces, the creative act. Um, it's not the, the end isn't the profit, the cash that you get at the end of it. It's the good that it produced. So that good in this example is, um, is the cheese shop. And there's other goods we can talk about. Now, if it actually produces some profit on top of that, then like, great. Like that's, that is moral. And that's, you know, that's a good too, because then that money could be used, you know, either to provide for your vocation, taking care of a family, whatever it might be, or for another investment um, to help bring someone else out of poverty or bring someone else to a place where they're 
utilizing their creative talents. So I think that is that is a good uh, it's a good thing to bring up, Nick. Um, but I think you know maybe moving on to another part of investing, and when we're thinking about four hundred one ks that we can all talk about for a second, is typically a four hundred one k is is broken up of a hundred. 200, 300, 400, 500 stocks. Um, and we know that a lot of the stocks, not maybe a majority, but a lot of them are investing in things or companies that uh, are against the common good, like outright. This might be a porn company. This might be uh, something that supports abortion, um, whatever whatever it is, or at the very least isn't, isn't positively impacting the common good like Apple or Amazon or something like that. So I think that's a big thing we also have to consider when we're thinking about 401ks. I don't know what your guys' take on that is of the very ends of a 401k and what it's trying to invest in is the most profitable thing, right? It's going to be Apple. It's going to be Amazon because they're the most profitable um, because they have already have the money and they already have the control mechanisms in the economy versus they're not ever investing in cheese shops, right? It's not ever like when you get a 401k, there's not like a part of your portfolio that you can even choose to invest in a cheese shop. It's always big companies that are publicly traded just by the nature of it. So I don't know. What do you guys think of that? What do you guys think of that point? You think that's solid or not? My question to you, Austin, is when was the last time you made an Amazon purchase? Probably like a week ago. <laughs> maybe maybe like two weeks ago, but I, I see your point. Um, whether it's good to... Are they the same thing? I don't know. What do you think? I'm sh- I'm sure we could parse out differences, but you're giving money directly to Amazon to continue its services to serve you, um, whereas now it's an indirect uh, giving. And you, oftentimes in a 401k, you have zero choice in what you're investing in. You like like it's I don't know it's these people behind the screen who are saying where your money is going to go. You have very limited uh, choice, at, at least in my experience. Um, and I have a 403B, which is in a 401k, and it's run by the Archdiocese of Seattle. And I think they might have a little more curation in terms of which uh, stocks, mutual funds that they're they're using. But um, I guess my point is, like, when was the last time you purchased something from Amazon? Like, if we're going to like this, this would have to be a radical change. Like if if say I'm, I'm not going to invest in Amazon anymore, well, then don't buy anything from them either. It's a contradiction. Um, I, I think it's even worse to buy directly from Amazon than to have your money tied to them with 401k. So I think there has to be some sort of consistency. Um, and it's really, really difficult in the state of the, the world that we live in, uh, unless we're to go live on a commune and on a farm, which I know all three of us wouldn't be too totally opposed to, but how? Um, there, there's a practicality to this. Tyler, what are your what are your thoughts? And and to be clear, yeah, I, not only do I have a four hundred one k, I also buy things from Amazon. So I, it's like, how do you not be a hypocrite with this? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I, I agree with you that it is hypocritical, and we need to have consistency. But I don't think I think if you deeply believe that it is like this company is not contributing to the common good, then I think you you have to reevaluate and you have to make different decisions. Even if even if you're still going to live with some inconsistency, at least like making some decisions is getting you closer to consistency. Does that make sense? Um, but Nick, I think you're highlighting something really important. And I know we've this is now reiterating what we've said already, but the bishops are not against getting a return. Um, and so when we're investing, we need to be thinking about things that will be successful. And it's not just a donation to charity and you're you're hopeful that they will be successful. But your Austin, I like the way you described it, like the businesses that in the organizations that you're investing in, you're entrusting like their creativity and their entrepreneurial way of adding value to the economy. And what I struggle with is what you've brought up, Austin, is that when most of what our economies are centered on is a profit-driven mindset, then what we're investing in is a bunch of like an accumulation of like profit-driven people making decisions. And that's not always directed at the common good. It's directed at profit for investors. So me individually, the person running the portfolios um, and the mutual funds, as you said, their main goal and their job depends on this mutual fund being better than the next one. So there's a competitive nature to it. And you have to have the, the highest returns. Otherwise, people are just going to go and buy other funds. I've gotten that advice in my own retirement, right? Someone says quarterly or annually, look at your mutual funds and, and figure out which ones 
are, as Nick said, as the document says, like which ones are, are returning to market. If they haven't been in the last you know two quarters or whatever your, your method is, buy the one that is. So again, I, I really struggle with that the, the foundation and the basis is really not centered on the common good. And this is why there's a 28 page document that, that adds all these layers to like things that people running these mutual funds should be considering other aspects of how companies affect the common good, the well-being of the citizens that they impact in conjunction with the rate of return. So how successful is the business? So that's my main takeaway and main struggle with all this is that there's just a fundamental hinge on on making profit and that's that's the the church is is not against profit but they're against profit being the only motive and the driving factor of a society they're definitely against that like read social teaching it's it says anything that's profit driven solely will have harsh consequences um the few will will prosper and the the many will often be you know at a disadvantage i don't know maybe maybe people disagree with me no, I'll just read uh, since I have it up in front of me and we're talking about church documents, um, just so people know that we're legit here. Uh, this is Centesimus Anus by JP2 um, talking about the role of profit. I'll just read a couple sentences. It says the church acknowledges the legitimate role of profit as an indication that a business is functioning well. Skip down. In fact, the purpose of a business firm is not simp- simply to make a profit but is to be found in its very existence as a community of persons who in various ways are endeavoring to satisfy their basic needs and who form a particular group at the service of the whole society. So um, yes, profit, absolutely necessary. Um, it's a necessary condition. It's not a sufficient condition for being a business. Um, and you know, going back to Amazon, I'll use kind of a crazy example, but the profit that Amazon is making and it, or even its business model for that matter, like it legitimately does help people. Like let, let's, let's use the example of a, a single mom who's working in one side of the city and needs to get, um, I don't know whether it's food or cleaning supplies or whatever. And she'd have to drive or leave early from work to drive across the other side of town to get it would have to leave early, sacrifice some of her hourly wage, whereas Amazon steps in and she can get it, get it directly de- delivered within 24 hours to her doorstep and continue to live out her vocation as a mother, let's say. Like, sure, Amazon's giant, but enables people a certain level of uh, a livelihood um, to have basic necessities. So we are, we're very in a privileged position to even discuss that, hey, I guess I don't need done or I can shop locally. Like, it's a very, we've talked about this before. It's a very privileged position to be in. Um, and there is a legitimate role to Amazon or a legitimate function that Amazon serves. Um, now we could debate whether or not the values that they support um, is ultimately for a, a community of persons and ultimately a, a benefit for society at large, but yeah, certainly for individuals. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot, I think, I think it's not that this issue is necessarily um, super nuanced and there's all these gray areas. I mean, there's, there's definitely that, but it's more the fact that it's a domino effect in, in order for one of these things to work. There are a lot of different things have to work. It's, it's hard to sort of be in, have one foot out, one foot in, um, in some ways, what we're proposing here, as we propose on this podcast, a lot of times is like stepping towards what a more like a Catholic culture would look like a more Catholic community um, in a holistic way, where hopefully that mom in that example would have an alternative that is an Amazon and still could support her family. Like that's mm-hmm. the goal, right? Um, maybe you could argue that Amazon is a necessary evil, but we're only arguing it as a necessary evil. Um, and I think 401ks also do things like support uh, things that aren't necessary evils that are just evils. Um, and so for people that have them and myself first among them, I'd have to think like, <laughs> are those necessary or the, are those evils justifiable when there's other options out there? And it seems like they aren't. Um, but maybe, maybe I'm missing a practicality here. It's like, if there is opportunities to invest locally, if there is opportunities, for example, to invest in a house that my family is going to live in versus versus in a 401k, putting that money towards a 401k, I think that's more reasonable. Or or getting even a second home that you rent out or that you eventually have other family move into your parents when they get older or something like that. These are investments and they could yield a return because housing prices go up typically, um, or you could rent them out, things like that. 
that's immediately affecting me locally. And it seems like an alternative. And the fact that an alternative exists is maybe what makes this so troubling. It's like the stock market and the 401ks aren't the only option. Like I don't have to have money in a company or in a fund that supports things we know are evil. There's other things to invest in. Um, so I think that's the hard thing, but it's like, how do you do that? Like, <laughs> it's like, that's a big leap and it's hard. And it's like, now there are tax consequences if I take money out of a 401k because I'm locked in, right? Like that's the whole thing. I'm locked in at this point. It's like, now it's even a more bitter pill to swallow. So I think it is holistic and it is like, yeah, it also means probably not buying things on Amazon if you're able to not, not judging people who have to. I don't know. It's multifaceted, but it's a, it's a conversation we need to be having, I think, as a church and a community more because it's like a lot of people don't even know that some of their 401k money is going towards explicitly bad things. Like it is going towards porn. It is going towards abortion. Um, and they should at least know that, right? So maybe we should talk about those... Uh investing strategies from that USCCB document. They're very general. And when I, I was telling you guys before we hopped on the pod, like <laughs> they're almost so general, they're not helpful for, for me. Um, but the, the first investing strategy, it says, first, avoid doing harm. So this would be refusing to invest in companies whose products and their policies are counter to the values of Catholic moral teaching or statements adopted by the Conference of, Bish of Bishops. And then number two, so that might mean divesting from those companies. So there has to be somewhat of knowledge of what you're investing in and avoiding harm. So trafficking, abortion, porn, um, that, that seems pretty standard. I don't think too many people are like, well, I'm, well maybe there are people out there. I'm just going to invest in this horrible, horrible company. I know they're doing harm, but it's going to, it's going to maybe there are a lot more people out there than <laughs> I want to believe um, who are taking that stance. But that one seems pretty obvious. Does it avoid doing harm in investing? Tyler, you want to take that one? Avoid doing harm. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine too many people, Nick, that were like, well, it's worth it for me to make money. Like the, the, the ends justify the means. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. honestly don't think there are that many people in society that, are willingly investing in harmful things like okay we there the climate people out there are screaming and they're saying well anyone who willingly invests in like fossil fuels is destroying the earth and um well we could we could talk about electricity and batteries and tesla and whether or not that's equally harmful to the environment as full disclosure as someone who has tesla stock like um am i just as guilty destroying the earth and causing future human conflicts as well over these precious resources um, that are down the line. Don't know. Um, the second strategy, actively work for change. So you as the shareholder, you as the investor, you should be able to influence corporate cultures and shape corporate policies and decisions. Have you guys ever voted? You ever get those little emails like, the shareholders voting proxy is about to happen. Cast your vote. I've yeah. never voted for one of those. Um, have you guys? No, never. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, it, but it goes back to the point too of like, you wouldn't, you would be more incentivized to vote if it's a company that's like in your backyard or if it's a company that like, you know, the, like, you know, the owner, I think it just, there's by, by the very mechanism of what a, a stock is, it kind of disincentivizes you for voting. Cause it's like, you have so little as an individual versus companies that own. This is another good point about mutual funds, by the way, is you don't actually get to vote. I don't think um, I'll check this after, but I don't think you actually get to vote if they're in, if your money's in a mutual fund. Um, the mutual fund gets to vote on your behalf, um, so they're going to vote for what's most profitable, not not necessarily what's most ethical. Um, so just another good point there of like you actually even lose your power even a little bit more. It's even further distance, right? And this is why, as I was reading this, I was I was just saying to myself, this isn't helpful. Um, I love the USCCB and what they do, but this is one of those moments where they seem a little bit disconnected, um, like in, in this section, actively working for change. Write letters to corporate executives and board members to advocate specific steps or support to raise, raise objections. Um, it just reminds me when you're in third grade, like write to your senator, write to your representative. Uh, but then it's like, okay, you wrote the letter. They know they never answered it. Does that mean... Well, I did my part. I, I raised my voice. I guess I'm going to continue to invest because I, I did that little conscience checking. 
you know, they, they say failure to vote, though, in, in situations um, is effectively counted as a vote for current management and the status quo. Um, so I guess it does throw it back on you a little bit. You're voting and you're just going along with what is totally counter to church teaching, then yeah, maybe you should divest. But it just it seems a little uh, a little tough. Write a letter to that corporate executive telling them how you really feel. I just imagine that letter. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Zuckerberg, can you please um, change the policies over at Facebook so that more of the common good is promoted? And, um, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know what where that would go, but he probably wouldn't read it, but could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, as I'm hearing you talk, Nick. I'm I'm just hearing again the difficulty of the task we're projecting for the for the modern Catholic who has you know extra money to invest and a duty to the, the as I like the way you described it, Austin, like uh, pulling income to support your vocation. Like that's that's a beautiful way of of talking about using the gifts and Nick's uh, nod to the parable. You know, using the the talents that have been given to you, but this like this investing guide. I mean, it's it's a twenty eight pages, and Nick, yeah, like it's it's a little bit broad, but like there's a lot of categories too, you know, and the subcategories that you need to think about are companies that pr- that promote protecting the human life, promoting human dignity, enhancing the common good, pursuing economic justice, saving our global common home. So if you're the average consumer in this way, the average investor, and you're deciding where you're extra funds are going to go and you have to pick a company that fits all of these categories um, because it says in, in like the the little subsections like you know under protecting human life and even the subsection under that if it doesn't you need to divest as you said so then it's like if i went to all my that, that takes a lot of time to research all this and i just i think that it's it's kind of unrealistic to expect us and that's kind of what i'm hearing from you say to have the time to do all this and to, to think about this, which then pushes us and incentivizes us just to be ignorant and just to let someone else do it. But I, th- I there's there's problems with that too, and I, I don't yeah. I don't know where I'm left what where I'm left at this. Well, and we think well, there's got to be an easier way. Uh, and I've 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 gone through this conversation in my head before. There's got to be an easier way. Someone's will have fedded these companies before. So let me just do a quick Google search. Oh, like, what is this? Global X S&P 500 Catholic Values ETF. Oh, this this ETF fund, um, this, this, uh, it's a Catholic values fund. Um, that sounds great. They must promote, it even says on their little description that they promote Catholic values and uh, church teaching. And then, oh, let's see what their holdings are. Top holdings, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Tesla, Google. Berkshire Hathaway, Procter and Gamble, um, it, right? So CVS, I'm I'm terrified to look into CVS and see what they support. Um, CVS Health Corporation. So we we can try and appease our conscience as much as we can, uh, but <sighs> leaves a lot to be desired. It's a tough one. Yeah. Are we, are we leaving anyone with any hope? Or are we just? <laughs> I feel so fatalistic on this podcast. Uh, I'm sorry. I but... think. I mean, I think there is hope here in the sense of. One, uh, one, the hope is, um, I think a mindset shift in some ways of living the Christian life is about supporting your vocation. It doesn't necessarily mean having a bunch of excess cash all the time lying around making money for you. Um, I think in the West, we've kind of grown up with that idea. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean just capitalizing on compound interest. So if you can kind of see it, this podcast isn't going to make anyone richer, I don't think, um, but it might make people happier in the sense of it, it might be a blessing not to have tons of investments everywhere all the time because you think that's the end. The end is supporting your family or supporting your vocation. I think, mm-hmm. too, there is a real excitement in like if you do have some money of like learning what's going on around you. Um if you're going to take this route, like it is exciting. Like it's, it's exciting thinking about like getting involved in the local brewery or getting involved in the local, um, you know, uh, maybe you're going to do a local pharmacy or something like that. Talk, talking about CVS, something like that. And so it's like, cool. Okay. We're solving real problems. And the money that I've worked hard for is going to be a part of solving that problem. And that's exciting. I think, I think that can be exciting if you think about it that way. It's just like, starting a farm like we talk about so much in the in your backyard you start something in your backyard and it's exciting you don't know what to do it seems crazy it's like am i going to produce all of my food supply this way probably not at first but it starts with starting that little farm um and maybe not not even ever 
and it's the same thing with investing, right? Like it starts with like seeing what's going on in your community, de-investing from things that are maybe morally evil, um, and then seeing where it takes you. So I, it doesn't necessarily lead us like with a very clear path, but I think there are things to be excited about. It's like that little farm mentality in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, I, I I mean I have I have a Roth IRA. I've got um, the four hundred three B. I've got other mutual funds, stocks, um, and <clears throat> I've been terrified to check them as well, given the current economic state. Uh, and honestly, I I just it's it's kind of this willful ignorance of I'm just going to invest in this. I'm going to cover my eyes and it's going to make me money. Um, there's no joy in it. There's really no joy in it other than like I'm just following the American way and I will take this out at the appointed time when the government tells me I can take it out so I don't get dinged. Uh, and then I will share it with my like. That's that's fine. And I hope to do that. And I hope to be generous as my parents and grandparents have been extremely generous with their investments. I mean, my grandparents have funded education and college and and things because of their very prudent investments. And it has magnified their hearts, you know, and it's it's beautiful to see. They've passed that along. I would get so much joy as well, exactly as you're saying, Austin, if if you know, if I if I did a little digging. What are those places in, in my own local community where I can invest? We've talked about investing in farm boxes or farm share or, you know, having stake there, um, you know, and in investing in, um, you know, I'm going to get half a cow this year or a pig, or I'm going to share that with someone or there's a brewery or like that would give me a tangible joy and much uh, I, I would like, I want to know what's going on. What, what are you doing? What are your farming practices? Um, because it, it it's more directly tied to me. So there is a, the virtue of locality there. Um, so maybe we need to find someone on the show who can just show us where to start, how to find those um, options. That would be a great business venture in and of itself to just highlight these projects to make it more accessible. But I wonder if I'm not an expert in this, but maybe to piggyback off that as, as a potential solution or a step in the right direction, I've been thinking recently about... Um, to get to to be more local, but not to totally remove yourself from the idea of like in investing in some like having someone help you invest, basically is what I'm saying. Is like for me, divesting from JP Chase Morgan as my like banking institution and going to the local federal credit union here at in, in South Bend, which is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. And maybe that's a whole separate can of worms, but I think that's potentially one way to go about this is like have a relationship with your financial advisor, trust that you know, they're not a for-profit seeking, you know, public entity that's answering to shareholders. Yes, they're not going to go bankrupt because they have a responsibility to their their community, but it's just, it's like a different mentality about how we help people plan for their future versus I'm thinking of my money in Charles Schwab as a financial institution, JP Morgan Chase. Like these are for-profit publicly traded companies that just for me further the the divide between like look or further the distance from like the locality we're talking about. Um, so I just wanted to mention that because that, that is something I've, I've thought about recently and and how that might help me personally and maybe others move in the, the direction we're talking. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Todd. And I think the beauty of that is like, you're going to meet people along the way. Um, and the beauty of what you're talking about, Nick, if we do find some of those, it's like, it's it's building a friendship and it's building a relationship. It's actually using money to build a relationship. It's always, you always say mm. like money, money can't buy love, right? But in some ways, like money in this instance, it can build a relationship because it's used with with the common good in mind. It's used with this like their well-being in mind and not profit primarily in mind. Um, so I think in all these instances, it's gonna bring us that Christian joy of one, just like local goods being better than faraway goods Two relationships being better than maximizing profit. And then three, just like interest in what we're, what's around us. Um, I don't know. There's so, so needless to say, I think there is some excitement. There's things to get excited about, but it is hard. It's like incredibly hard because <laughs> it's like, now we've, we have money in these places and it's like, Oh, what do you do? How do you do it? How do you not get taxed? And you know, it, it comes with some pain. <laughs> Well, let's do a, I, I feel like a good future podcast episode might even be on digging into that d- idea of credit unions, of, um, uh, I know some people who do 
kind of a shared healthcare plan, a community healthcare plan, and that's that's a whole nother uh, thing. And insurance, and <laughs> uh, talk about the ethics of healthcare. Man, that is that's that's a big issue. So there's people out there who are doing it. It's totally unconventional. It's totally inconvenient, but maybe it's more joyful. And I'm I'm sure we have listeners who like know have been doing this or know people who are doing this kind of stuff. So like this is a opportunity where I'm like this is a conversation we're having with our listeners. So please send in thoughts uh, through our email. Let us know uh, if there's something we should be researching um, so we can do this as a community and 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 get better. So yeah, and maybe there's someone out there that we could interview on something like that, Nick. Yeah. Any spread out? Yes, have spread out to my sister Elizabeth, who is just crushing it in her uh, first month at Gonzaga. I'm going to go see her next weekend at Fall Family Weekend. Go Zags! Um, you know, I'm just super proud of her. I talked to her on the phone the other day, and there's just this confidence in her voice, uh, which just makes me super happy. Um, taking some really hard classes and making friends, and um, so to Elizabeth, excited to see you in a week. Sprout out to my classmate, um, seminarian, Congregation Holy Cross, Chris Mulholland. He uh, was telling me he was listening to the our our episode a few weeks ago, Austin, and said it. He just really enjoyed parts of it. He referenced the joke that you made about the the school with like compostable toilets and something. I was like, <laughs> I forgot how funny that was. Um, so shout out to you, Chris, because you're just um, a, a great friend of mine, and I really appreciate having you in the program. Glad you're listening um keep doing keep doing your thing and then on my end spread out to katie and chris um who are having a baby um two of grace and i's friends that we spent the weekend with um, yeah to to their health and to the to the new baby austin have has it been formally announced on the pod what's happening in your life did it was that last episode i haven't listened to the last episode so yeah last episode um everyone knows that i am engaged all right well if- listener land did not listen to the last episode like me um i don't know if austin shared that story on the pod but um that, that's that's a podcast too so spread out grace grace <laughs> Kleiss, almost <laughs> hey there is a new update there's a, there's a date i heard it was june 17th that's pretty exciting so um yeah everyone i'm we're just like inviting i'm just inviting all of our listeners to the perfect wedding. no just email us we'll uh, we'll send you an invite if you're listening <laughs> all right uh good good chat with you guys we'll uh we'll continue it in a couple weeks peace